How big is the business now? I, you guys have raised what, like four hundred million dollars? Yeah, we've raised four hundred million. Uh, we we last raised capital at three point six billion dollar valuation. Um, I think there's still you know a lot of potential for health monitoring. I think if you fast forward ten years, I think um, a large percentage of the world's population will be wearing uh, a continuous health monitor, and it'll hook into everything that you do as it relates to the healthcare system and doctors and um, and so, yeah, I'm very bullish on, on the opportunity in the space. Do you, uh, do you know what you're getting into or what? I've read the briefing and uh, <laughs> uh, I'm a big fan of the podcast. So ready for you. All right. So like the, the pod, it's called My First Million. It's kind of known for... Uh, Sean and I have both started uh, a handful of companies and sold a few of them. And people like the pod because we brainstorm and we dive deep on different companies and we do like business breakdowns, things like that. So, but we'll spend a little bit of time kind of getting to know you because you've done a lot of amazing things. Well, I know of one huge amazing thing that you've done, but I bet you there's a lot more amazing things that you've done. But we'll hear a little bit more about your background and then I'll, then we'll want to spend time like kind of diving deep on different opportunities in your industry. But first, like, do you want to like say like kind of like your your 30 second spiel of like who you are and, and, and the story of how you got there? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so Will Ahmed, I, I grew up on uh, North Shore of Long Island. I, as a kid, I was kind of always into the sports and exercise. I ended up going to uh, Harvard and and playing squash in school. And I was a competitive college athlete. And I felt like I didn't really know what I was doing to my body while I was training as an athlete. So that got me very interested in physiology. Did a ton of physiology research as a student. I uh, read something like 500 medical papers. And I uh, started to conceive of this idea of how you could continuously measure the human body. And the idea was initially around athletic performance, but broadly, I felt like there would be ways to uh, continuously measure the human body for all sorts of, of health implications. And, uh, you know, what became as a sort of a curiosity ultimately turned into a very long research paper that I wrote and then ultimately founding a company. Uh, this was would, would have been uh, when I was 21, 22 years old. Uh, as a senior at Harvard, and and then for the last ten plus years or so, I've been uh, I've been building this this business. Uh, the business Whoop builds wearable technology, uh, really to improve people's health. We started with the best athletes in the world, and and over time have grown to work with uh, a large consumer population, and uh, and it's a, a really exciting time to be building that that technology. Okay, so yeah, you're the CEO of and founder of Whoop. Uh, if People have seen it. It's a whoop band. You've uh, it, it, you have to have seen it on people's wrists. But you said something like we started with high end athletes. And I think I read something like this. That is this right? That LeBron and Michael Phelps were two of the first hundred customers or users of Whoop. Is that is that real? And how did how did that happen? It is real. And this would have been around 2014, 2015. So you know we spent about two to three years really on the initial. V1 of Whoop. And, you know, I wanted to start with the best athletes in the world and really for two reasons. The first was that we were bringing sleep and recovery technology to market for the first time. And I felt like professional athletes who, uh, you know, have to perform on a daily basis should really understand how they're recovering. That was one of the insights to starting the business. And, uh, and then second of all, if we could get the world's best athletes to wear uh, whoop and organically like it, then we could build a whole brand around uh, performance that ultimately could could scale to to consumers. And and I grew up very inspired by um, brands like Nike and and the Jordan brand and and just how uh, like a swoosh on something could make make the whole product feel completely different, independent from anything else about the product, uh, just because of the the storytelling behind it or the brand behind it. So I was interested in how health monitoring could have a brand to it. And, uh, and so that, that was really the thesis for targeting professional athletes. And, uh, and so in the case of getting to LeBron and Phelps, the, I think the key insight was finding people in their lives who had a big influence on them, who a bunch of people didn't already know. You know, if you go to their agent or their manager or their wife, like 
they get inundated with this stuff. So you have to find someone in their, in their life who, who other people don't know. And it also turned out back then that the personal trainer was a somewhat underrated or unknown person in a, uh, a professional athlete's life. And that also happened to be the right person to go to uh, for technology like Whoop. So in the case of uh, LeBron, I got to know Mike Mencius. In the case of uh, Phelps, we got to know Keenan Robinson, both of which were personal trainers to those athletes and got them on Whoop. And then they got their athletes on Whoop. And um, yeah, the rest is history. Hey, let's take a quick break to tell you about our sponsor. There's no secret formula for customer service, but there is an all new service hub from HubSpot and it's bringing service and support together in one platform so you can deliver the best experiences possible. You can free up your customer support reps time with an AI powered help desk so you can easily support and grow your customer base. The secrets out service hub is a game changer. Visit HubSpot.com slash service to learn more. How big is the business now? You guys have raised what, like $400 million? Yeah, we've raised four hundred million. Uh, we we last raised capital at three point six billion dollar valuation. Um, I think there's still you know a lot of potential for health monitoring. I think if you fast forward ten years, I think um, a large percentage of the world's population will be wearing uh, a continuous health monitor, and it'll hook into everything that you do as it relates to the healthcare system and doctors and um, and so yeah, I'm very bullish on on the opportunity in the space. Do you like uh, being the CEO of a of a big company, um, or do you wish? Do you like still wish that you were in the early days of like getting in the nitty gritty? Because I imagine you're like kind of just making decisions now and managing people as opposed to maybe getting your hands dirty on the product. Well, I've still tried to stay close to the product because I think it's something I've had a a, a relevant perspective on, even as a company has has scaled and and uh, I've been able to see around corners in a few areas for the Whoop product. I think that the role of being CEO, is, as you guys know, changes a lot with stage and scale, right? Like uh, 10 person versus 100 person versus 500 person. Like at each of these inflections, your, your role is definitely changing. Um, I think because Whoop as a technology gets increasingly interesting with scale, it's made my role increasingly interesting as well. So what do I mean by that? You know, the overall data set uh, that you have on, on a larger population makes the data much more predictive and much more powerful. The coaching as a result can get much more comprehensive. Uh, I think for other founders I've met who have been building a business for five years or even 10 years, they get to a point where they're kind of like, okay, this can run itself, or I'm going to bring in someone new, or I've kind of reached the relative peak of, of the mountain. And I don't feel that way. I feel like there's still uh, a bunch more levels to go. I feel that uh, the insights that the technology is able to get, the number of people that that it can potentially be used by, all of that feels like it's amplifying, not shrinking. And and so for those reasons, yeah, I'm very excited about about being CEO. It's, It's also, look, it's a daily challenge growing into it. I feel like at every stage of the business, I've had to learn how to uh, how to be a CEO. And it's not like this is the first, just the first company I started. It's my first full-time job. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm figuring a lot of this out as I go. Sam always asked that question and I'm just waiting for the one person who's like, I hate being CEO. I hate my job. I hate all these people that are in this office. This is terrible. (laughs) There's certain things that change a lot, right? Like you, you're, the percent of time in which you think of yourself as an individual contributor versus a manager has to shift very dramatically. Uh, I think probably around the size of 50 people, it has to shift like that. Like whoops, about 500 people. But that's probably one of the most painful things that if a founder doesn't fully appreciate or recognize, they can screw the business up a lot. Like you have to recognize that you need to be shifting almost entirely towards manager and not being an individual contributor? Well, you know what it is, is we, uh, we, we, we talk to a lot of interesting people here and the CEO of like a 500 person plus company usually looks like shit. Not always, <laughs> but usually. Like they look tired and there's rings under their eyes and they're usually a little chubby. As and, it takes a huge swig of coffee. <laughs> well, no, they look like crap, but you're a... Uh, 
you're like the CEO of a fitness brand. You you were a, a highly competitive athlete, and so you look great. And so it's like you're you're you're, you're kind of like skewing the the uh, the average here. <laughs> but like, I mean, you look pretty fit. Is are you like how are you balancing like being healthy and putting your but also putting your company first? Because I like when I was really in the thick of it, I was like, dude, I don't have time to work out. Like, screw it, I'm just gonna eat this crap. But at, uh, well, at you, a, you don't, uh, you don't know this, but one of your competitors was my neighbor and we used to work out together in my garage every day. And then, uh, and then he got promoted to CEO. He was like, he was like a different exec got promoted to CEO and then, uh, stopped having time to work out. Like he just kept coming by while I was that's working what I'm out saying. and he was like, God, I got to get back in here. And we're like, dude, you're the boss. You know, you could just like rearrange your schedule. Right. He's like, I got oh, crazy it's crazy right now oh it's crazy right now and for like nine months straight oh it was crazy right now and he just stopped working out i was like bro you run a health company like you gotta if you don't sleep or work out or make time for this stuff like you know what's going on here and uh i just thought that was so funny like the the fact that he was like you know no we have to make this successful in order to do that i'm gonna make these health sacrifices (laughs) as i go well super nice guy i mean Dude, Will's got like a chiseled jaw. You got a nice head of hair. You're wearing a, it looks like a, like a, like a vest. You look all, you look all spiffy and you look nice and shit. Uh, what, what are you, what are you doing to exercise right now? And how are you balancing that with work? I think, look, I think it's part of the the job for me that, that I'm going to be in, in good shape and healthy. And uh, I spend a lot of time around people that are super into their health and fitness, whether it's professional athletes or scientists or even thinking about product features that are designed to improve your health. So as a business, like just thinking about the, the product and technology that we build every day, that kind of orients me at least to be, uh, to be healthy. And not to mention I'm using a product that uh, is all about health improvement. So, you know, for a variety of reasons, it feels like it'd be super off brand if I was, uh, if I was really out of shape or, or, What's your like sleep score when you sleep? Are your, uh, you know, you give us your, give us your stats. And also what are some things that, you know, a lot of this audience who listens to this, um, I would say probably, I would guess the majority don't regularly wear a continuous health monitor. Um, but also the majority care about performing well, peak performance. And as, as an entrepreneur, typically, um, who's listening to this. So what are some things that they, that you, you've learned that, you know, they maybe should be doing, or, you know, some of the biggest levers that you've seen, when it comes to, you know, kind of health and performance? Well, I want to be clear that that uh, I do believe building a successful company uh, requires overcoming some level of stress that would break most people. So I, I do think you have to uh, really push above and beyond what is comfortable. I think the technical term is man up, Will. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Man up. But w- like within that, I think there's a lot, I think there's a lot of techniques that you can develop for yourself that um, allow you to run at a, at a breakneck pace for a long, long time. You know, people always talk about this analogy of, okay, it's not a, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. But if you actually look at like world-class marathoners, they're running like four minute miles. 430 miles. That's kind of a sprint. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and how do you run a mile that fast? So I think for the entrepreneur or the, you know, the, the business leader listening to this, you want to figure out a way that you can be sprinting a marathon for a long time. And, and one of the ways I view that is taking care of myself and, and uh, being in good shape. Uh, I think we can start with uh, uh, sleep which uh, is, is a, I think, a topic that's not talked about in the right framework. Most people, when you talk to, to them about their sleep, they're like, oh, I don't have enough time. I'm working hard, blah, blah, blah. The thing to understand about sleep is it's all about the percentage of time that you spend in bed getting high-quality sleep. So if, if you ask your, your audience or you ask a friend who's never worn a health monitor, and you say, how much sleep did you get last night? They'll be like, oh, well, I went to bed at 11. I woke up at six. I got seven hours of sleep. Pretty good. Okay. The reality is you spent seven hours in bed. So of those seven hours, you were in uh, a period of awake, a period of light sleep, a period of REM, and a period of slow wave sleep. 
awake and light are pretty much irrelevant. You're not getting any physiological benefit from being in uh, uh, awake or light stage sleep. REM and slow wave, that's where all the magic happens. So REM sleep is and your mind is repairing. So like real cognitive repair. Um, it's when you have deep dreams. So if you're someone who can't remember dreams or you don't seem to have dreams, you're definitely not getting enough REM sleep. Any high-performing exec entrepreneur, you need REM sleep. Um, slow wave sleep is when your body produces 95% of its human growth hormone. So just think about that for a second. 95% of your human growth hormone gets produced during this stage of sleep. You're not getting stronger in the gym, right? Or working out, you're breaking muscles down. You get stronger during slow wave sleep. So the more you get of that, the better. Okay. And let's take the person who spent seven hours in bed. That person could have gotten a total of 30 minutes of REM and slow wave sleep, or they could have gotten a total of five and a half hours of REM and slow wave sleep. Like that's an like a massive, massive difference. That's a huge spectrum. The person with 30 minutes, I guarantee you, has all kinds of problems in their lives. The person with five and a half hours, I guarantee you, is very happy, very high functioning. And what's like um what's like really strong? If if an eight hour block was, you know, I'm in bed for eight hours, what would be like a good level of REM and slow wave sleep? If you can get over 50% of the time you're spending in bed to be uh REM and slow wave sleep, like you're, you're doing pretty well. Uh, and so I, I I'm in that camp and, and I'm also still optimizing my life more to be, uh, a CEO or, uh, an entrepreneur than a human, right? If I was just fully focused on being a great human, I would probably spend eight to nine hours in bed. Right. And I wouldn't look at my phone before bed and things like this. Right. Um, but because I'm still optimizing for being an entrepreneur, I, uh, you know, I spend more like seven hours in bed or, you know, seven and a half, maybe if, if I, if I get a little extra sleep, but I've managed to make that time, you know, like the three to four hours, sometimes even four and a half hours of REM and slow wave sleep. So I'm getting the REM and slow wave sleep that like a, a person who might be spending eight or nine hours in bed is getting because I've figured some stuff out that makes me sleep better. So that, that's sort of one whole category right there, which is sleep. And anyone listening to this should try to figure that out for themselves because it's, it, it'll just dramatically change the quality of, of your life. Hey, let's take a quick break to tell you about our sponsor. It is a podcast that we want you to check out. It's called D2C Pod. It's hosted by Ramon Berrios and Blaine Bolas. It is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. And this is a podcast about all things direct-to-consumer, D2C. It's e-commerce stores. It's how you optimize your brand. And they're talking with founders, marketers, and the platform creators about all kinds of things that you need to know for D2C. You know, website conversion, paid ads, Facebook ads, consumer trends, email marketing, if you want to know the stories behind your favorite brands, this podcast is for you. They did an episode recently about scaling creator growth and influencer incentives that I thought was pretty cool. So check it out. Listen to DTC Pod wherever you get your podcasts. I'll give you another hack. I wear these blue light blocking glasses before bed and they've got a red, like kind of a red tint to them. And uh, if you think about laptops, uh, iPhones, whatever, all of them are emitting this light that is telling your eyes and your brain to stay awake. And uh, if you're like me and you're using your phone or reading an email, you know, closely before bed, uh, because, you know, you're, you're doing work or you're staying on top of things, uh, it's going to affect the way you sleep. But if you wear these glasses, it's like a get out of jail free card. And you can look at all that stuff right up until the moment you go to bed and it won't affect your sleep. So, uh, so that's like one example of, of how you can hack both sides of it. Have you, um, you said you've been around all these, uh, interesting athletes and you also have access now to like millions of pe uh, pieces of data. Who are some of the biggest freaks in nature that you've been around? Is there like Judy in Iowa that's getting like nine and a half hours of slow wave sleep and she's your hero. You got like a picture of her on your wall. Yeah. Or like, uh, like all these athletes that you've been around, like, is there anyone who you just like, you've seen them in real life and you're like, like, like Mutombo. Like, Incredible. Yeah. Well, you're like <laughs> when we first when we first started looking at we first started working with LeBron James. This would have been uh, 2015, 2016. His sleep data, I could probably point to the one that was LeBron's, which is kind of amazing. 
like uh and it makes a lot of sense that that he was so good at uh and has been so good at recovering in his career because he's taking care of that third of his life and and sleeping great i think it's maybe the most rem and slow wave sleep of anyone i i've talked to um named alex honnold do you guys know that name so yeah. alex honnold is from free solo yeah 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 the climber the climber right so this is a guy who who uh you know climbs mountains without a rope essentially and uh and does these insane feats that are extremely dangerous so the interesting thing about uh rem sleep is researchers were able to find the more REM sleep you get, the less heightened your amygdala response. So your amygdala response is, is fight or flight. You know, it's what signals to your body to, to, to be nervous or to, to get animated. So it makes a lot of sense that the guy who's capable of climbing, uh, you know, rock climbing these environments that no one's done before without a rope uh, has this insane ability to sleep because that's probably in part what makes him so calm uh as he's doing these activities so i thought dude, that- dude i just i just googled uh alex's name and then rem sleep i think we just gave you the promo of the century man like this <laughs> this is the marketing this is like it should be it, it comes up the first thing that comes up is like a ted talk now uh your company talking about how you sleep more you get more REM sleep, then you're able to like take a little bit more risk and be calm. I mean, that, that's like a really, that's like a really interesting um, uh, play here. Do, what uh, one second on those athletes, do you think it's a sort of like intentional thing? Like you think that they, you know, like is LeBron or Alex, are they doing something that's making their sleep that much better? Or do you think because they happen to be great sleepers that that is what allowed them to become such great athletes or such great performers? I mean, there's certainly there's certainly genetic things that make people better or worse at sleeping, but uh, there's also so many things that you, the individual, can do to enhance your sleep. Uh, sleeping at a very consistent time, so going to bed and waking up at a very similar time, will just um, will just unusually elevate the quality of of your sleep. Often sleeping in a very cold room, a very dark room, a very quiet room, a room of high air quality. Athletes who are serious about this stuff will, you know, measure all of that and dial it in. I still think athletes aren't sophisticated enough about sleep and recovery, given how important it is to their overall performance. But those are a variety of things you can do. We talked about blue light. There's certain supplements that work better or worse for people, magnesium, melatonin, Interestingly, hard, harder, harder sleep drugs like the ambience of the world, uh, they they knock you out. So your sleep latency is short, but the quality of the sleep uh, is never that high. So, again, back to that percentage of time that you're in REM and slow wave, it it is rarely, you know, maybe if you're someone who normally be at 30 percent, you're going to be at 20 percent. Dude, I've. uh I was a, a, a 400 meter runner, Division One 400 meter runner in college. So I used to be like fairly competitive, and I knew a bunch of basketball players. Yeah, and I knew a bunch of basketball players who ended up going to the NBA because I I was friends with them in college. And uh, dude, it's shocking how bad, myself included, how bad most competitive athletes are when it comes to like diet and recovery. Like I didn't know anything. I just like I would eat like ranch and pizza every day. And uh, a couple of my friends who went and went went on to play in the NBA, like we're just eating McDonald's like on a regular basis. It's pretty amazing how like some people are still freaks, even though they don't do any of that nonsense. You know, uh, it, it's pretty yeah, wild. And, and we've worked with a lot of athletes like who, yeah, they used to play video games from 11 p.m. to 2 a.m. You know, you, you got a game the next day in front of a million people. You know, and it doesn't occur to them that that actually is going to affect their performance. And then you look at the data and it's like, okay, you're, you've got a red recovery, even though you didn't even drink alcohol because you stayed up late staring at a screen. Whereas if you, you know, had gone to bed at the same time that you started playing video games, here's the difference in what your, your performance is. Sean, are you going to make fun of me or something? No, I don't know. I was going to ask actually, uh, uh, this is a, a personal question. Naps. Where, what's the, what's the word on naps? Because I am a prolific <laughs> yeah. napper. In fact, one of my life goals is to be able to take a guilt-free nap every single day. 
And uh, I know athletes are pretty big on naps as well, but I don't know if you could get to those deeper stages in a quick, you know, in a one or, or one and a half hour nap. Uh, what's the word on naps? Very Winston Churchill of you to have a daily nap. That would be, yeah, that'd be pretty good. Yeah, that's a, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like he's the coolest. He's the coolest person I can think of who who really pioneered the daily nap as a as a, a hardcore. Uh, uh, yeah, it's a hardcore nap. I'll, I'll I like that. I think that sounds better because my my nap marketing is pretty pretty soft right now. I need to I need to up it. I need to have a Churchill nap. In fact, I'm going to brand it as I'm going to brand it as a Churchill nap. Dude, I I do it every day as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. About two o'clock for for about thirty or forty minutes every single day. And do you get in bed or you just lie on a couch kind of thing? No, I only go, Sean, do you go to bed? I only go to bed for nighttime sleeping. And then I, I, I refuse to lay in the bed. I go Otherwise to a I'll different bedroom. Long. I have a nap bedroom and I have a, a master bedroom. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. And do you, do you wear a sleep mask or anything? You just close your eyes. I, I wear a sleep mask, but I get knocked out. Like I wake up two hours later and I'm like, I'm a whole different human being. I feel like. And you, I, wait, and you could sleep at night after two hours. I can't do two hours. Two hours is a real nap. Yeah, Churchill. <laughs> is that really what you do? You do two Not hours every day, in the middle. But that's my goal. My goal is to get that to be an everyday thing. Right now, it's an every third day. Sean's <laughs> like, here's my life advice, young man. You got to get a solid 16 every day and life's cream cheese. <laughs> I'm not a, a big nap person personally. I, I almost rarely ever take naps, but I think that there's certainly. Uh, plenty of research that shows that for most people getting a nap versus not is going to make them uh, feel better and uh, perform better. I certainly think a lot of athletes uh, take them in the afternoon or even some will take them almost right up to the time before tip off or when they, when they have their, their uh, event. So, and they, because I think one of the reasons for them is they also need to peak in their performance much later in the day than most people, right? So like a, an NBA game might start at seven thirty or eight and they're playing until, until nine or 10 or whatever. And so, but whereas most people are winding down at that time, but they, so they kind of need to shift their, their peak performance later in the day. Whereas most entrepreneurs are trying to be, you know, tip top at 9am or whatever. Yeah, I think that's right. The, the challenge with naps is that the percentage of time that you spend in in uh, trying to sleep is often lower as a quality standpoint. So that's why I was kind of interested in whether you guys get in bed or whether it's more casual, because you might up the intensity of the setup of your nap to really maximize the the quality of the sleep. So try things like a sleep mask or try, you know, a couple little things and you might all of a sudden feel even better after your nap. Are you the only founder? Are you, are you a solo founder? Well, I, I was fortunate in that I met two really talented uh, engineers when I was graduating from Harvard. So uh, one is uh, John Capalupo, who for 10 years was our chief technology officer. And the other is really Nikolai, who's still with me, and he's our uh, chief mechanical engineer. Uh, and the combination of, of uh, the three of us uh, really built really built the company. Now. Uh, a lot of it was algorithms development, you know, computer science, data science, having the right um, prototypes, and yeah, so it was it was uh, it was very technical out of the gates. Well, what um, um, but you're you you were the the do you consider them co-founders or just uh, uh, meaningful uh, contributors? I consider them co-founders. I mean, I I came up with the the idea for the company. Uh, uh, you know, years before I met them, but, but they've been an amazing, I mean, amazing piece of, of the whoop story and critical. What do you, um, so you're the CEO, you're, you're, uh, and founder of a, a multi-billion dollar startup. What, what do you do with, uh, I assume, I don't know if you're liquid or not, um, or if you have a lot of your equity still tied up, what are you going to do with all your money when you eventually do get liquid? Uh, do you have like any big aspirations? Or are you just like a boring guy who just like have, what have I you am? Taken secondary along the way? Any any secondary? Yeah, I have. I have. It's uh, <clears throat> well, look. It doesn't. It doesn't actually change your your motivation all that much in building the business. That was something that I remember. 
someone saying to me uh, at various points when I had the, the option to sell some shares. And uh, I think it's really just made the quality of my life higher. And you, you should post your sleep before and after the secondary. Be like, do I sleep easier at night now Dude, that I got by the way, 50 million in the bank? Yeah, I, it turns out I do, actually. I do sleep a little easier at night. <laughs> taking secondary, I remember when I was first getting going in my career and I heard about these secondaries and I was like, that's bullshit. I think it was rooted a little bit in envy, but I also was like, you got to be all in. And now that I've like done a little bit of stuff, I realize having a safety net and this is like a very obvious thing to say, so I sound like an idiot here, but having a safety net, particularly like a meaningful safety net of of, of liquid net worth, I think 100% makes you better at building your company. And I think taking secondaries, it, it changes on a scale. Sometimes it's too much, but taking secondary, I think will make you a better company builder. Do you agree with that? I do, uh, especially if you're at a, like a growth stage of company. I don't, I don't think I ever sold shares until Whoop was worth at least a billion dollars. Um, and they were for rounds that were super oversubscribed. So, I, but I do think that's a fair, I think that's a fair lens to look at it from. I've read about people taking secondaries at the, you know, series A stage or something. And I don't know, everyone's, I get, look, everyone's circumstances are different. So you don't want to, you don't want to judge, but um, I do think for a company that's at a later stage where you're trying to, you're making this calculus of, is this a company that's going to be acquired in a short period of time? Or is this a company that we're trying to build to be a standalone business? And I think if it's more the latter, you want your, your founders or your key, your, you know, your CEO, you want, you want folks like that to be um, not sort of looking at their bank account, wondering when they're going to cash out on this thing. You want them in a mode of, Hey, I can keep going for a while uh, and, you know, really optimize the business. So yeah, I agree. I agree with you. What What do you do with your money? Do you just do like boring uh, Vanguard uh, or like index funds, or 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 do you do something a little more risky? And what do you like to spend spend your money on? I wouldn't say I'm the biggest spender of money, um, but I, <laughs> I I mean I've enjoyed investing in stuff, investing in startups, meeting founders. I've enjoyed uh, backing stuff that my friends do uh, or start. I, if you go out to dinner with your friends, do they just, when Bill comes, do they just sort of look at you and wait now or, uh, yeah, they got, like, T, they got T-Rex arms. I can't, yeah, all, can't su suddenly up. that, that wingspan shortened up big time. <laughs> couldn't, couldn't even get to the pocket anymore. No, I mean, look, I think it's, uh, it's great of course, to be able to be generous too and, and, uh, take care of people or cover bills or whatever. Um, I think it, it just sort of creates a peace of mind for you in, in an important way if you're going to be uh, trying to do something for the next 10 years. What companies did you want to start uh, before that? Because I'm looking at your background. So you said you're from Long Island. You live in, in Boston and went to Harvard. So that's amazing. But you studied economics. Like you, it didn't look like you. And then you worked at a bank, right? Or you were just like an intern at a bank. You were, I know my wife's from Long Island. It looked, you're going down this very typical path of just being some like banker type in, in the city. Uh, but you kind of like took a left somewhere. What, uh, what other companies were you thinking about starting? I wasn't thinking about starting companies at all, actually. And, and your observation's right. I sort of, I thought in the back of my mind, I would go work in finance after I graduated because that's what a lot of people seem to do. And, uh, and I had some background in finance because my dad had worked in finance. But, you know, internships are a great thing to figure out what you don't want to do. So I worked at a hedge fund after my freshman year. I worked at an investment bank after my sophomore year. And I worked at a private equity firm after my junior year. And the question I asked myself at each of those places is, you know, did I want to be my boss's boss or boss's boss's boss or, uh, you know, if I could be one day. And uh and I just didn't, I didn't feel that pull. I didn't feel this like gravitational pull towards it. And uh, at the same time, I was becoming sort of obsessed with this idea. And I think I ultimately became an entrepreneur before I really knew what an entrepreneur was. It wasn't like I was choosing between three or four different ideas. It was just this one idea that I became obsessed with. Well, in the last uh, decade that you've been doing this, you know, any entrepreneur, I think, sees other opportunities. You see things that are pain points for your business that you're like, man, somebody should make this easier. Or, 
you meet a bunch of other entrepreneurs and you realize, oh, wow, there's like a whole universe of potential businesses that, that can be started and be successful. Um, a lot of people listen to this podcast to try to get ideas, to think about, oh, what, what's, what's possible? What's possible? What could I be doing right now? And um, so do you have any uh, business ideas that have come to you, you know, as you've been running Whoop that you're not going to go do because you're running Whoop, but like, you know, maybe somebody else could do it. I have a lot of sort of funny tangent, like business ideas that are uh, sort of silly business ideas that you, you know, think up um, in the shower or whatnot. Uh, and so we can, we can riff on some of those. And then I have, you know, I have some that are more. Don't, don't tell us which ones are the serious or the silly. We'll, we'll, uh, we, we probably will get them all mixed up ourselves anyway. So <laughs> take one off your list and let's, let's hear it. Okay. This is a very funny one. So the, the idea for the company is, is car pipes and it's, uh, it's vocalist lessons while you're commuting in the morning. So you're in your car <laughs> and you've got someone who's teaching you how to sing and you know, you're, you're, uh, car pipe. Yeah. You're in a safe space. So you can, you can, you can belt it out. <laughs> exactly. Those are the types, those are the types of ideas I feel like that I think of a lot. I'll, I'll give that one. A, I'll give that one a B, Sam. Uh, F. <laughs> I think I, I, I always wanted I'm to ha- sing. <laughs> Look, dude, you, you, you have so much. Listen, you have so much data. So I both I Sam didn't having like carb pipes. No, it's stupid. You're 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 a brilliant man, and you just had one dumb idea. I'm allowed to say that. You both, Sean and I, have both invested in uh, continuous uh, glucose monitor companies. Um, I don't know. I don't know if you ever. I I think I had an opportunity to pass on your company, Will, or somehow a deck made it my way, and I and I was a fool, and I didn't do it, or maybe I just didn't have any money. I think that's what it was. I think I think I just didn't have any money. I think I was just I just didn't have enough cash. Um, I mean. I want to know, like, which of these wearables do you think are going to be awesome, and which wearables in the future are going to be uh, are going to be a thing? You know, on the pod, what we've talked about. I don't have a background like you, so I'm I'm just kind of riffing here. But I've always thought it was ridiculous how you can have like a cancer or something bad inside of your body growing, and uh, you know, I've had family members who have passed away, and it was like, you know, had we just gotten this MRI or CAT scan like six months ago, you would have been fine. And I've always thought it's very strange that something can be in your body and it's just a matter of, you just didn't get it measured. Uh, otherwise, you would have been, you could have been fine. I've always thought that to be quite strange. And Whoop actually told me one time when I had COVID and I thought that was sick. Uh-huh. And I'm like, well, sick. You should tell me if I have like cancer as well. You know what I mean? Uh, th- that's, that's, a, that's something that's always fascinated me. Yeah, and I would put, I would put all that sort of in the category of like, uh, obvious innovation that's coming um the combination of body scans blood work and continuous monitoring through a non-invasive wearable um will ultimately be able to predict a lot of things that that uh you know are are disease states or or um leading indicators uh for death and so i'm I'm very optimistic about how profoundly the healthcare space, the relationship with your doctor. I mean, all of that'll change. It's, Which, it's so, so obvious. And then the other thing is, and, and artificial intelligence is a very popular expression these days, but AI will be enormously valuable for uh, analyzing a lot of, uh, a lot of these somewhat complicated scans uh, to look for things inside your body that might be off. Uh, which, which do- which otherwise required, you know, an expensive radiologist to look at or something. Which startups do you think that are at like the sub 100 or sub 50 employee count and maybe sub 300 ish million uh, market cap or uh, valued uh, like below that? Do you see in the health health and wellness and anything related to that category that you think is going to have a similar trajectory as you guys and has a bunch of uh, meat on the bone for, for growth and upside. You know, it's funny because I, I think I've spent so long thinking about health and wellness. It's almost like the bar to invest in a health and wellness thing is, is, is too high. <laughs> so I actually find that I don't invest in all that much related to health and wellness. Like I'm racking my brain right now. I think something that I'm involved in that's in, that's directly health and wellness. 
A related company that I think is quite, quite powerful is called Whisper, which I am an investor in. And it is, uh, they've essentially built technology that allows you, uh, that can transcribe uh, your thoughts, which is, is pretty powerful technology if you think about it. Uh, the ability to sort of think something and, and it gets written out. Uh, so I, I really like deep tech stuff like that, that feels, feels like magic, feels like the future. And how the, how, wait, how does it do that? You're wearing a, like a brain scanner device type thing. And then you, you literally think something and it writes it. How, what happens? I, I don't want to butcher this, but the, the, the short of it is it, it looks like, you know, an old jawbone might have, uh, one of those Bluetooth, yeah. uh, sets and, and that's, you know, that's what the technology's form factor looks like. And you literally just think something and it writes it, or you have to like sort of whisper it. <laughs> uh, I, I believe what's it's the, using your, your brainwaves. What's the URL of this? Uh, it's whisper.ai. Oh, okay. I just saw it. It looks like a little, uh, it looks like a, like a hearing aid. Yep. Oh, that's cool. How much money have they raised? Do you know? Uh, I want to say something in like the, 15, 20 million range. Wow, that's pretty fascinating. This data is wrong every freaking time. Have you heard of HubSpot? HubSpot is a CRM platform where everything is fully integrated. Whoa, I can see the client's whole history. Calls, support tickets, emails, and here's a task from three days ago I totally missed. HubSpot, grow better. So here's a category of work that's a little more serious. Obviously, you guys have seen uh, everything that's come out in terms of deep fakes and this ability to create videos of people that are almost indistinguishable from uh, from a real video, right? I think that there there's going to be like uh, a talent agency of sorts that's for non living people. So, you know, imagine if you're uh, if you're Tom Cruise at, towards the end of your career, the same way Justin Bieber just sold like the rights to his songs, maybe Tom Cruise sells the rights to Tom Cruise and you can keep making movies with Tom Cruise for the next hundred years. Or another version of that is you can have uh, an actor like Tom Cruise, who's completely artificial. Have you seen the Tom Cruise deep fake on TikTok? Totally. It, it's, it is, it's, inc- it's incredible. It's, Sam, have you seen this thing? Yeah, it's amazing. You know who did that, Sean? We talked about it. Uh, fucking uh, the deep, South Park guys. Is that Deep Voodoo or that's somebody else? I thought it was Deep. I thought Deep Voodoo did the Tom, Tom Cruise one. Am I wrong? Miles uh, Fisher. Miles Fisher. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, He's the one who does them. I think it's him and this other guy. Because he kind of looks like Tom Cruise. But there's a whole technology, I think, that doesn't even need a human involved. Which, you know, would just essentially take the fact that Tom Cruise has made 50 movies and be able to. Yeah, but that's interesting. You're like, instead of selling your back catalog, sell your future catalog, basically. So you right. can sell your likeness to, you could, li- you could create an AI likeness and just license it out to whoever wants to, to kind of use it. Which is obviously has some, you know, some potential, like, you know, ways it could be misused, but seems valuable enough where people would figure that out. Have you guys heard of Michaela? I think her name is, uh, is her name Michaela, the Instagram influencer who doesn't exist? You know what I'm talking about? L- Lily oh, Michaela. Yeah. 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 It's like a model that is completely made up, right? Yeah. Yeah. But now, but now she's got like a boyfriend. I don't actually know if they're together or not anymore, but she's got like a whole cast of characters now and I've been getting into it. And they raised uh, a bunch of money and like she's getting ad deals. It's super fascinating, dude. It's super fascinating. And what's more fascinating is... I think that if I if I had to guess the way that they're making the the way that she looks, they're using AI to come up with like the ideal, uh, like the ideal person that both men and women are attracted to or like want to like follow and be into. And I follow her boyfriend and he's super skinny and he's little and and drag like androgynous. And I'm like, fuck, they don't like yoke boys anymore. Like, you know, these, <laughs> and so it's kind of funny to see like what they're like making is like the ideal person. It's very fascinating, but the business is making a lot of money, I believe. Well, on this pod a while back, I had said, uh, somebody needs to create a deep fake only fans model. 
because I was like, oh, you could just have a virtual OnlyFans model that even kind of looks a little virtual. That's okay. And now this is just a moneymaker for you, right? You're like basically like some sort of virtual pimp if you created these these AI OnlyFans characters. And a guy did it. So so a guy reached Who? out and um and so he created it. He's like he basically used his girlfriend who's like a model or whatever as the model for it and then created a, a AI clone of her and now we're like setting it up and we're going to see how it goes. So I'm really curious to see if this thing like takes off or not. So are you actually interested in this business? Are you are you going to be How am I not interested gonna, in this business? This is uh, so interesting to see if this works or not. Yeah, but like how do you work with like softcore porn all day? I mean, I'm not doing anything. I'm just like getting the update. He just DMs me and says, "Check this out." <laughs> and he'll be like, you know, we got the account made or we're going to, you know, and he'll start sending me updates on how much money they're making, right? I was I just want to see how it tur- how the experiment turns out. I don't have to sit there yeah, and but- like train her. Think about the uh, investor updates that Will sends. He's like, you know, here's like screenshots of our new prototype. You know, like we've effectively we've we've gotten uh, people's REM sleep to improve by five percent by just adding this little feature. Here's a mock up, and they're like, what what's it going to look like to you? <laughs> <laughs> it's going to look great. I don't know. I don't see what the problem is. <laughs> well, that's that's actually it. so a theme that I think about is like, okay, fifty years from now, what are things that the the future generation will look back at our generation and say, oh, that was so crazy that that was happening then. Like there's a lot of easy versions of that for us today, right? Where it's, you know, you can say smoking on, uh, you know, smoking on airplanes or, um, you know, the number of people that died giving birth or, uh you know, uh, people dying from just traveling across right. the country. Right. Like, so there's all these examples of that. And then if you try to pull it forwards, what, what would they say about things that feel sort of a little too normalized today? And yeah, uh, what, what, what are things that your grandkids will say? Like, really grandpa, like, you know, slavery. And you're like, I don't know. It was just the norm back then. Right. Like what are those, what are those things today that 50 years from now will seem either like, crude or rude or whatever in some way right like i think the health monitoring is an obvious one it's like you just didn't know how you were doing and it's like yeah we just didn't know you go to the doctor once a year maybe and like yeah they just randomly measured my blood pressure once a year right that was that was my checkup (laughs) that's that's to me the most obvious one that will seem like wow you guys were really cave you just rolled the dice with that one huh your whole your whole health thing and that that's just going to be so different in the future the number of people that die from car accidents seems right, like right. it would be on that list. Dude, I was driving last night on a late night, like two one lane road and a huge truck went by me and I and it shook my car and we were both going 80 miles an hour, like, you know, passing each other. And it does seem so, it, in, a, in about 20 years, it's going to be so archaic. We're like, can you believe that we are basically one sneeze away from like an 80 miles an hour, like car crash all the time. Like you just, just literally 10 feet away, five feet away. Sometimes it, it, it that is gonna That's going to be, that's going to be our generation's smoking section in restaurant. That, that, that <laughs> cars, two cars go. It, that's really, it's going to be like smoking or not smoking. Like you used to drive these cars going in opposite directions and you were 10 feet away from each other. That's what it's going to be like. I think. And like my wife is vegan and she's like, yeah, like the, that, the thing that's going to be, you know, the 50 years from now is like, you just killed animals and ate them. Like what, why, why? Like that, you just thought that was I okay. Bet, I bet, it's like, dude, you, I bet Will's got a the total opposite take on you. Yes. Yeah, so that's what I wanted to hear. What's your take on uh sort of like vegan carnivore plant-based, you know, all these different, you know, ver- more extreme versions of diets. Have you seen anything or where, where's your head at? Or what's the data say around that? The data says it's highly personal. Uh, so you could put two people on identical diets and they could have literally the exact opposite effects on those on those people. I remember, uh, I mean, take professional athletes, for example. Do you guys remember when LeBron got really skinny? It was like around the Olympics. Yeah. And he, it was, he had been playing with Ray Allen. So Ray Allen got him to go on the paleo diet. And because Ray Allen was obsessed with the paleo diet. And again, an example, it was amazing for Ray, terrible for LeBron, like terrible. 
Uh, and so there's every version of that for, uh, for the rest of us. For me personally, I eat, uh, I eat three meals a day. I try not to eat crap. Uh, I eat carbs. I, I, you know, I would say I have like a Mediterranean type diet, a lot of meats and fishes and vegetables. Um, I don't really drink that many calories, mostly drink water and coffee. So, so that's my diet. I also think diet is easier if you like the right things and then you can kind of eat as much as you'd like, or as much as fills you up versus having to count calories in part because a lot of the calories you consume are really bad calories. So those are my quick perspectives on diet. Dude, have you seen, well, have you seen, um, Brian Johnson? Do you know who that is? Yeah. The, uh, uh, he created a really cool or is creating a very cool company, uh, that measures brainwaves. Yeah. 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 But have you seen blueprint? Well, that's his whole age reversal. Uh, he's like a human, he's like a human whoop band. Yeah. yeah. Well, he wears whoop. And, uh, and so that's how I know him. And, uh, he's come on the whoop podcast before. I think he's coming on actually soon. Is his, uh, is he like in the top, is he in the top like 1% of, of data? Cause if not, he's doing a hell of a lot of shit with his lifestyle. If that doesn't work, if that doesn't give him some off the charts readings on his, uh, on his sleep and his, his strain, then I don't know. Well, I want to be clear that I don't have access to every single person on Whoop's data, but <laughs> but uh, I think some of the stuff we went over, because he, he was on a Whoop podcast maybe a year or two years ago, and he was telling me some pretty good stats then, and it sounds like he's dialed it in even more since. So I'll definitely listen to the podcast you guys through with him. Well, so listen to this, Sean. This just happened, I think this morning it was re- released. So basically he was on our pod and he looks like a freak, you know, like he's like chiseled. He looks awesome. And I don't know how old he is actually. He's I think like he's 46 in his 40s. Or something. Yeah. Yeah. But he's like, he's, he's looks great. And, but you know, he does all this insane stuff that you'd expect a billionaire to be able to do. He's got like a 30 doctors, like helping him do all this. He's, he, he, you know, whatever. Well, it just released that, or it was just released that you can spend, I think like a lot, like a, a 1.5 or $2 million a year. And you basically can, he's going to like, Anyone can use his doctors and go through his system in order to what he's trying to do for the listeners is he's basically it's kind of like this thought exercise, but he's taking it seriously, which is he's trying to reverse his age, which you can do through like improving your blood and losing weight, things like that. So reverse his biological age faster than his chronological age goes up. Because in theory, if you do that, you live forever. Obviously, that won't happen. But it's like an interesting like thought exercise. But now anyone can sign up and apply to use like all the crazy shit that he's doing. You gonna, you gonna do it, Sam? It's like two million dollars a year. No. Um, also, like I have a here. I have a thing with all the fitness people. And Brian, I I called Brian out for this, and he actually answered it well. But I'm like, do, do you ever experience joy? Like, <laughs> like, like. Y- like, so I don't drink alcohol and a lot of people will say like, oh, I've been wanting to do that. And I'm like, well, do you have a problem? And they go, no, it just thought I'm like, then what? like, it sounds dope. Then just get drunk every once in a while that like, you know, <laughs> that's like a, that's like a life worth living is like when you have things to celebrate and like, you can build camaraderie with your friends. Like, yeah, just do it. You might live a little shorter. You might be sick for a few days, but like, you know, like experience joy. That's good. And so with Brian, I was like, do you ever like have birthday cake for your kid's birthday? Like, do he's like, no, I've only cheated like once one meal over like two years or something like that. And I was like, well, are you happy? And he said, I'm happy. I'm so my opinion of that is, okay, great. You're winning. But for most people, I don't know, experience joy a little bit, like be healthy and also like get effed up every once in a while. I think that's good advice. Will I have a, I have a similar thing that you'll just, you'll, you'll hate slash disagree with, which is a, uh, on my Twitter, I have this tweet that's pinned that just says, here's some semi-controversial things that I believe. And one of them is, um, you don't need a sleep tracker. Great sleep is obvious. And uh, I think you would <laughs> probably disagree because it's kind of the premise of your life right now. But you got to admit, pretty catchy. And there, there's some nugget of wisdom in there. There's some nugget of truth in that in that belief. Just because it sounds good doesn't mean it's true. <laughs> Yeah. I, I mean, I think that might be true in like extremely binary terms, you know, Oh, I had to wake up for a 4am flight or, uh, you know, uh, 
the the alarm kept going off last night. Like, yeah, okay, those are bad nights of sleep. But I, I think it's it's a profound lie in the sense of if you're actually trying to understand your nightly sleep and routine. Like, I think there's just a lot. It's a, think about it this way: it's a third of your life that is a complete black box. You have no idea what's happening during that third of your life, and and science has proven that that's a third of your life that dramatically affects the other two thirds. And if you're good at sleeping, it decreases every form of potential disease that you can have. Like it is the magic pill. So I don't agree with your tweet, but I respect that. You probably have a lot of retweets. Tons of retweets, right? <laughs> we do it for the retweets around here. <laughs> and, uh, I, I do think that that Sam's point's a good one, good one though, as it applies to that tweet, which is if you make all these things seem, you know, like discipline in spite of joy or or sort of soulless, uh, then then of course there's some kind of a rebellion against it, right? And so I've heard people talk about sleep tracking in a way that makes sleep tracking seem profoundly not cool. And, and, I, and so I understand it through that lens, but I think the reality is you can measure things about your body passively that give you a great insight into you, into your life and can make your life better. Right. Yeah. Okay. So what do you, th- what do you think is going to happen? Will? 10 years, what's your, what's the, what's the vision here? You're going to go public. You, you're going to sell this for $10 billion. What do you think is going to happen? I think Whoop will ultimately go public. Uh, I think that it'll probably be sooner than that time frame that you gave. And I think we're going to build technology that's able to predict a lot of massive life events uh, as they pertain to your health and, and along the way, provide a 24 seven coach that uh, helps people meet their goals well beyond health, you know, psychological goals, professional goals, uh, just because of the, the value that understanding your body can provide. Dude, you've stuck it in the face of all the finance bros. You're saying, I didn't have to go that route and I still crushed it. I think that's awesome. <laughs> I've got so many New York friends and they just, and uh, Long Island friends, and they do the same thing over and over and over again. I'm like, you're selling your soul, man. This is the worst. And uh, it's so cool that you kind of saw that route is not maybe for you and you, you're you going to just crush it. Uh, we're big fans of Whoop. Um, I've never tested the Aura Ring, so I've been loyal to, to my Whoop. <laughs> uh, I've been calling it, I call it whoop and whoop. So my apologies. I actually didn't know the right way to pronounce yeah, it. Yeah. What is the right, right way? Whoop. Whoop. Not gonna lie. I kind of like whoop too. <laughs> <laughs> like I would never say I'm whooping ass, but I would say I'm a whoop ass today. So, you know, like I kind of, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's gonna. I don't be know who I agree with, it. the founder of it or Sam. <laughs> yeah, what do you know? <laughs> if you wear it inside out, it's whoop. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I never knew how you pronounced it, but my wife and I have are, are paid subscribers. How much do we? I think we pay you three hundred dollars a year. I don't even remember. What Dude, we I paid pay, you but... for two years, and I just didn't have my band. I lost my band, and then I just kept the subscription going. So you know, you're welcome on that one but now i got my band back and now i'm getting the value yeah yeah if you reach out to membership services they'll send you a band no problem <laughs> if you're a subscriber the hardware is included i mean that was one of the more that was like re- more recent, it's obvious right? now in hindsight but uh in 2018 we, we changed the whole business model to being a subscription where the hardware was included how much did was that like a huge i mean did the, your economics drastically change totally i mean we used to sell the product for $500, one-time fee, everything included. Then we went to, you can sign up for as little as $30. Like picture right. the, just all the cash implications, gross margin implications, everything that happens almost overnight when you do that. And it was also about the business moment because, okay, companies founded in 2012. If you're changing your business model that profoundly six or seven years later, you're also admitting you haven't figured out the right business model six or seven years into building right, a company. Right. So, uh, yeah, that was all that was all quite quite uh, painful and concerning. But we, you know, we created a really cool business model that that now has been amazing. Yeah, now you're going to get maybe you can make you're going to make an argument. I don't know if you're going to get it, but you're going to make an argument that you get those SaaS multiples. Yeah, and I, I think there's a fair case for that. 
Yeah, I, I don't know what your churn is, but that'd be that'd be badass because I mean that's a that's a that's a you know five times more valuable company. Um, well, dude, this is awesome. Yeah, thanks for coming on. We, we took you a little over time. Sorry about that, but uh, but thanks for coming on, Will. This is this is fun, and uh, yeah, everybody, go get some sleep. And by the way, Sean, from you, that's a big pivot. Well, I, I said great sleep is important. I just said great sleep is obvious. <laughs> Uh, uh, you know, directionally, you know which way you're going, whether you track it or not. And then once you get once you get going in the right direction, then start measuring it and optimizing it. Did you have a Twitter thread that was killing uh, Clubhouse? I get him. That blood is on my hands. Yes. <laughs> wow, that's yeah. How's that? What do you say? <laughs> on point. Uh, and, <laughs> and all the Clubhouse investors who blocked me because they thought I was just being a hater. You know, the um, my door has a, a little mail slot for apologies, and uh, they're welcome to go ahead and slip the slip the apology back in. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm connecting the dots on some tweets of yours that I've, I've read now uh, because I also remember that sleep one. How I think about it, <laughs> that was my version of the of the clubhouse thread for you. <laughs> uh, I don't know that business very well, but it certainly seems like it's. Uh, not doing as well as it was in the middle of COVID. Well, I think what I think, a, hip, to what a hypocrite Sean is, by the way, he's got, he owns a whoop. Yeah. Whoop, whoop. He owns a, he owns a whoop and he's still saying you don't need a sleep tracker. That's bullshit, man. Call him out. Will. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I definitely will now. <laughs> well, I'm waiting for the version that like just auto charges or just like stays charged for like two years. So I can just leave it on because, uh, I'm a notorious lose shit guy. So, you know, I'm on my 18th AirPods. I, uh, you know, I've gone through three whoop bands and uh, it's the charging that gets me every single time. Same. What's the plan, dude? Is a 30 day charge going to happen anytime soon? How hard is it for a guy to get an infinite battery around here? Yeah, just do better. And by by the way, the, the modular battery pack, I think was a good innovation at least. So you don't have to take it off, but, 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 uh, you know, originally I was hoping we'd be able to do it like watches where there's certain watches for us movement. Yeah. Keep it alive. The reality is that because we collect so much health data, we're driving the battery pretty hard and the sensors pretty hard. So uh, in some ways, it's great that we've gotten to four or five days, but but uh, customer feedback heard. OK, we'll, <laughs> we'll work on the two year model for both of you. <laughs> No, that's been my same thing, which is that's why I don't wear an Apple watch is I think it's so stupid that you got to charge those things all the time. I think, dude, I lost my Apple wedding ring out, on my honeymoon because I just lose everything. Same. <laughs> I had a, I got mine tattooed on my hand because I lost it so much. <laughs> same. I think I, but the, yeah, the charging too, thing, like I'm not smart enough to get away with this absent-minded professor shit where it's like, oh, he's so messy, but he's brilliant. It's like, well, he's, you know, above average. It's like it doesn't have the same doesn't have the same uh, you know excuse power for me. That's all right. You're 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 good enough that you can screw up every once in a while. But uh, yeah, the battery thing, man. You guys got to figure that out. But we have, I think we have Will's email in the calendar invite. So Sean, you're just gonna you're just gonna message him. Hey, Will, lost my band. <laughs> uh, pl- please hook up. Thanks. Right. <laughs> I'll, <laughs> please, I will delete mail. I'll, I'll delete tweet. Fair. <laughs> 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 we don't have that many people losing it because they wear it all the time. So you must be taking it off too. I got also got little kids and my little kids are like, Oh, bracelet toy. You know, they just think it's the theirs. And so they just steal it when it's charging on the counter and they, they now I, I lose it. So, you know, whatever. Well, dude, thanks for doing this. Um, yeah, I gotta give it, guys. Your, uh, your PR guy, John is my good buddy. John, uh, hooked us up with, um, uh, Ariel Hawani, you, you like UFC, uh, Ariel and John are good buddies and Ariel's like the face of like UFC journalism. He hooked us up with that. He made the introduction to you. So, uh, we, we owe him a shout out, but I appreciate you coming on. This is awesome. Are you a big UFC fan? Oh yeah, we both are. Yeah. We're both huge into it. Are you? Uh, I'm not a huge fan, but I, I mean, I observe it, uh, from a distance. I, I think the yeah. athletes are like, you know, some of the more, uh, impressive physical specimens in the world yeah besides the whole brain thing besides that (laughs) yeah and the slap league thing that they got to put that away that's the stupidest fucking thing on earth i hate the slap league what i hate the slap dude that is the dumbest thing i'm in on the slap league 
What? That is so I, stupid. I wanted to hear it. I watched three minutes of the preview and I was like, just when I thought I was out, Dana White, you got me back in. <laughs> so Dude, crazy. that is the dumbest thing ever. Yeah. Are you really are a fan of that? No one's saying it's I not I think it's dumb. horrible. You know. And they get knocked out. So for those listening who don't know what we're talking about, it's basically, I think they have weight classes, but it's usually always like the big old fat guys looking like they're supposed to be strong, but they look huge. And they just stand in front of each other and they smack each other five times. Right. Is that the rule? It's five slaps. And but they almost always get knocked out. It looks like Yeah, you just take turns open hand slapping each other. But the slap is like a thud. It's not like a slap. It's uh, basically a punch. And uh, yeah, it basically results in a brutal knockout like every (laughs) every single match, which is pretty crazy. And their faces are so swollen. Have you seen the like when their jaws are so swollen, dude? And they wear earplugs because they will rupture your eardrum. You know, if you ever gotten hit in the ear, it it looks horrible. Sam, did you see the trailer for it? Like they released the the preview that was like supposed to hype you up, introduce the league, and they're like, these people come from you know everywhere. They come from nothing. This guy was doing this. Now this has given him this opportunity, and he's the best guy. And then one guy goes, "I just want to change the world, man." (laughs) <laughs> and I lost it. I was like, this is your plan to change the world? <laughs> One slap at a time. Brother, what are you doing? We're democratizing slaps. Chris Nowitzki, who's done all this concussion research uh, uh, at Boston University, is one of the, the key guys from, for doing concussion research in the NFL. Uh, was just, he, was the, in the, he, he was in the WWF, wasn't he? He was like a professional wrestler. Yeah. And he had a bunch of concussions. And uh, and he's like, it's it's just half a step from um, having people just stab each other on live TV and then seeing <laughs> who, who who makes it. Yeah, uh, which would also get get ratings, right? There's this idea of painfotainment. Have you ever heard this term? It's basically I get, I get the idea of it from. from <laughs> yeah, it's a great great name for that reason, right? Which is we love entertainment of people suffering, you know, and, and so like whether this is TV shows like Survivor or Naked and Afraid or whatever, where they have to suffer in that way, or it's somebody suffering uh, in an emotional way when you're watching Doctor Phil or Jerry Springer and somebody finds out they got cheated on, or their Maury tells them they are not the father, whatever. There is a you know, they used to have executions publicly and people would come and watch the execution, literally like, you know, whatever in France in the old days. And so there's this long history of people enjoying stuff, watching suffering uh, as a form of entertainment. And uh, it's this crazy thing, but it's it's something that that does exist. I'm not saying it's, it's good or bad, but like uh, I do think it's uh, I do think it's going to work <laughs> for that reason. There's some darkness there. Yeah. Well, thanks for making this happen, dude. We appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, this was and, fun. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll be in touch because we, you know I'm going to be emailing you all my complaints about my whoop, but uh, and maybe I'll be one of your investors whenever you IPO. But this is awesome, and we appreciate it. Do you uh, you can give a shout out by the way? What's your do you, do you use social media at all? At, at Will Ahmed are, are my handles. Well, thanks for making this happen. We really appreciate it. We'll talk soon. Hey, Will. Talk soon, guys. Cool. 